0: Let's do this thing. Let's dive into it. Good stuff here. I hope you're all rested. Uh, we got a nice uh, break here with Thanksgiving week. Big, long week. No Patriots football for two weeks. Kind of felt like forever since we finally got back out there and got to do it. But uh, fortunately, you should have a great taste in your mouth after all. It's Thanksgiving food and a Patriots victory. The kind of win you have to savor, even if the winers don't. Because, you know, it's a two-score two victory on the road in the division after Thanksgiving, that's gold. There's If you can find a way to complain about that. You should jump off a bridge because this is not for you. That's as good as it's going to get. It's as close to a blowout as you can expect, above the line, all the stuff you want. Not a perfect performance, not at all. Uh, and we go through that here on this show with the Real Thing Pitchers podcast. We want to go through the mistakes as well as the good stuff. But by and large, the push away from the table moment on this Jets game is good. Big thumbs up, two thumbs up. You got to love those kind of things when you walk into a an angry environment, a place that hates you, a place that has familiarity with you. Uh, And you keep it to a two-score game. And I think you left some points on the table that could have made it three easily. And maybe the other side feels the same way as well. But uh, it's uh, what it is. So this is survive an advanced portion of the season. Uh, You did that. You move on. you got to feel good about where the Patriots sit now. Getting healthier and highlighting a lot of the elements that are really going to need to be a team that wins in the playoffs. So that's really a lot of what we're going to focus on here. But let's dive into this game. Uh, and This will be a relatively brief show. I mean, I want to hit the big, big stuff in the Jets game, but we don't have to go too far into the weeds and minutiae on a team that uh, isn't going to be a part of the playoff show. We'll keep our playoff uh, outlook here for the season. So we'll stick here to the Patriots and the things that, that, that I think we need to highlight and what they're doing well, the few things they're not and uh, how that may translate to moving forward and other opponents. So let's get into this thing here first. So big Gettleman catch to start the game off. Uh, That was one of the early offensive plays. It was a highlight kind of thing for the Pats. And and what I like about it is that this is sort of your preeminent example of – the effect that Gronk has uh, just by virtue of his attendance, him there and him being concerned about by an opposing defense. And you see a rotation on this play um, that you would not have seen had Gronk not been in the game. And that's not something that's, you know, I know easy to highlight on a podcast, much easier shown through a video, but at least I can talk you through here uh, what was different and what you saw in that play and how Gronk's um, you know, being in the game affected it. So this ends up being a, a nice uh, little crossing route that ends up being more of a catch-and-run play than a big deep field throw for Brady. But uh, it ends up being a huge completion, big big number spot there for Jules in the box score and Tom. Uh, but what happens is Jam- Jamal Adams, the, the real good safety there on the back end for the Jets, He rolls down and he's chasing a low crosser to Gronk. It's essentially a late double. So Gronk is running a low crossing route. Uh, The the linebacker is absorbing that low crosser. And what you have is a rolled down safety in Adams whose eyes are on Gronk. And when Gronk makes the cut, he moves in that direction, chases Gronk. And where's the vacancy that Julian gets most of that catch and run through? Right where Adams left. And that there is the effect of having Gronk run that route as opposed to Dwayne Allen or or even Hollister or anyone else. They're not sending the second player chasing that route if it ain't Gronk running it. That's where he's his effect is is seen most. So you get a you know you get a you would have had a completion here to Edelman with or without uh, that rotation by Adams because the route hits with a vacancy and where it's delivered. The, the the super vacancy is the catch-and-run portion. The extra 30 or 40 you get on the end of it is Julian's running through the secondary where Adams had left. So that's it. That's your, hey, What's what's what does it really matter that Gronk's there or not there? That's it. That's their glaring, blinding. Uh, it, it changes the back-end rotation, and that changes the amount of people that are available to tackle on catch-and-run plays. Now, moving forward, uh, this is the Gronk miss on third uh, Uh, you'll remember this play. I was kind of snarkily uh, tweeting about this during the game. I'm sitting up there. I was not in New York. I think you guys know that. I don't travel to road games. I always do our pregame show uh, for Ness and Ness and pregame chat from up in studio there when the team travels. And then I'd just sit in studio and take notes and got 20 monitors in front of you. It's kind of cool, cool situation be able to watch it all and keep it all sort of... Uh, somewhat organized, as I'm keeping notes and trying to tweet and, and, and stuff for the, the post game stuff as well. But anyhow, this was one of those situations where uh, Gronk does get hit in the head, and, and you guys know that I don't. I, I don't want. I'm not uh, trying to encourage the the defensive receiver penalties but i thought it was kind of funny that you get this big giant hulking paul bunyan type tight end out there runs a deep comeback ball arrives just as the safety does adams makes a nice hit on the play breaks it up it's an incompletion they get off the field big moment there for the jets good good defensive play but Gronk is technically hit in the head and again, if that's you know, even flip it, it doesn't have to be a Patriots, non Patriots thing. If that's Chris Hogan or Julian or one of the other wide receivers uh catching that ball or attempting to catch that ball right at that moment, right at that point when the the safety arrives, it's a flag because that's head to head on the defenseless receiver and that's what helps make the ball pop out. But because it's Gronk the flag isn't thrown and, and that drives me nuts it's like it's almost like hey man you're big you can take it uh, and we sort of suspend the notion of of helmet the helmet hits uh with the defenseless thing uh you know in that kind of situation and the thing that, that pisses me off the most about that is we've sort of grown, the league has grown to a place where the result is is, is kind of what drives the flag, or the result or and or who's involved. In this situation, you know, the, the big old tight end doesn't fly away from the contact. He doesn't flop and his head hit the turf hard and, you know, sit there in a moment where he's collecting himself. He just, you know, people bounce off him too and then he gets up. But technically, the, you know, the rule doesn't read, if it doesn't hurt him you know, or if he's not affected by the contact, it's just if it's there and it doesn't get thrown. him. And, and again, this is now sticking back you know, away from sort of the, the call non-call thing there, just to the nuts and bolts of this play. I thought it was, uh, it's not that it was necessarily a dis- poor decision to go to Gronk. He's running a deep com- comeback on the sticks. I think one thing to note that I didn't catch live uh, in rewatching it, I don't think this would have been a conversion anyhow because even if Gronk hangs on to that thing with the contact, his little comeback portion puts him just on the other side of the line and because the contact's going to either stone him, stone him dead there, I shouldn't use the word dead, but stone him drop down right there or be knocked back because you know the route's moving away from the sticks and he's getting collisioned in the opposite direction it's probably not going to be first down. So that wouldn't have been a play that you'd have been particularly happy about one way or the other catches it and short or, you know, not getting the call and short or not getting the call uh, for the helmet hit. Um, yeah, Either way, it's an incompletion in as well. And I think some of the gripes I saw on Twitter that I think are legit is that Tom was a tick late on that throw. Not like, a crazy late. I mean, I read a few. They're like, oh, you're so late and so terrible. That was shitty by Brady. No, nah, not at all. I mean, he did have a, a field scanning situation. Gronk certainly wasn't the first read. You see his eyes scan from right back into the left, and he's got deep comeback uh, options with Gronk on that side, and I believe it was Edelman on the right. Maybe Gordon? I don't recall exactly, but he had a couple options there. Gronk, no better than the other, although Gronk's route was at least towards sticks level. I think the one he turned away from would have been about three or four yards short, one have required catch and run to get. So, and again, wh- wh- however you feel about that, um, I, Gronk, Brady was a, a late, you know, just a tick, just a tick, uh, but not like you know, obscenely late, which is what, what Twitter read to me. Uh, so that one didn't work and, uh, you know, they learned from that and move on, but uh, it was good though, as you look back on that play, because I think it translates to later plays. There were a lot of people open, you know, open, didn't get it there, but when they got them into spread situations and they have four and five of their good people out there running routes, there were options. And I think, you know, Brady goes back and, and finds those later in very similar route concepts is able to find vacancies and get it there a bit earlier. So that was a learning situation, but it stalls a drive, and that's not good, obviously. So uh, moving on here, let's fire away. Oh, my notes scrolled way to the bottom. Weird. All right, so defensively, Patriots forced a punt on the first one, I believe it was, uh, but now we're back into a second series here, and the missed tackle on Crowell, I uh, believe that's uh, middle linebacker, don't have it in front of me, who was involved. But yeah, there's a missed tackle out on the flat on uh on on Isaiah Crowell and as a as a quick aside here I like Crowell a lot and and sort of leading into the Jets game you know I was watching them and studying them saying you know what the hell's going on with his team when a team's not good record-wise and they're not putting up numbers I mean their offensive production in the last month prior to this Patriots game was pretty abysmal. A couple sevens, a ten, and a twelve, I believe, or maybe a, there were, no, there was a seventeen in there. Uh, but by and large, you know, it was it was a bad month of offensive football for them. And, and when you see that, you you gonna you know, go look back and say, okay, well then they have a bunch of dogs on offense, and some, and that's not the case. Uh, my point is, there's sometimes bad offenses still have good individual players in them that can kind of get lost in the lack of overall unit productivity and I think Crowell is definitely one of those guys he's not and again this is never going to be Ezekiel Elliott this is never going to be Kamara this is never going to be a guy that a team gives the ball to 30 times you know each week week and has the high productivity, but he's a pro that you respect because when he gets it, he often gets more than what's blocked for. And he's a pretty reliable dude. You go to him and he's making plays. And he was kind of the one guy and noon was another one I kind of like. And I think a lot of people feel that way because of a toughness. It's sort of a, it's like a running back playing wide receiver kind of thing. There was two guys there that, that can hurt you. They can be a one-on-one mismatch for you. And we saw there, uh, the missed tackle against, uh, against Crowell out in space and ends up being huge on that drive because it was an opportunity to get him down at a spot, which, you know, I think it was like second and 12. Let me, let me scroll to that real quick. I believe it was like second and 12. Yeah. Second and 12 ends up in huge play. And, and I think the lesson there is if you're that linebacker, um, and you're, you're running up on that thing and you know, you have got a lot of, a lot of room to work with there to make the tackle you don't have to shoot. You don't have to just run and take a shot. It's almost slow play. And I think that's what the mistake was here. Uh, he, The linebacker takes a shot at, at, at Crowell in space. And if you take a shot and miss, if you shoot, then you're talking missed tackle and there's no chance. It's quicker. It's a quicker missed tackle, if that makes any sense. By the time the rest of the rally gets there, you, you missed early. So now he's got more space to work with. Uh, I believe that was a Landon Roberts. Yes. I'm scrolling here as I was talking through it. So Landon Roberts shoots quick and a lot of times that situation you know it's third and 12 he's catching it basically at the line of scrimmage so sometimes a slow play and that just means I'm going to freeze and I'm going to let him make his break and then I'm going to tackle him. it might make it for a two or three yard gain maybe even four if he's falling forward but you lose the the possibility of the quick miss and then he's got space to work with before the, the rallying group gets there so that was not good and ends up being one of the bigger offensive plays in the day he scrambles for I think it ends up being a 15 or 16 yard kind of thing uh, gets the conversion, and you know, obviously that ends up being a bad play. And and because on that drive you had him at third and ten, miss on that, and then the the, the drive itself is extended in the next little sequence. It's third and seven, and Dietrich Wise uh, gets the penalty uh, for the late hit around the le- the legs, um, and it was the right call. You know, he 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 had a stride that he could have pulled back on, and I think what what brought the attention is as much as beyond being a, a count late it was going low. And I understand why, why is this going low? And this is one of those things where you kind of feel for football players, how things are today. He was going low because he was stumbling low into the quarterback, but I think you have to be able to feel his body, his body movement from above. It wasn't like it was a bang, bang. It wasn't bang, bang on the low. It was, this is a bump, bump, full count out and then low. So you got to know that his sort of you were late. You were late. So it was going to get a flag and you kinda of have to know that and that extends the drive. So basically you're looking at a missed tackle and a low tackle late on a quarterback that you can't have that extends the drive and ends up being a touchdown. So it was a drive that was extended twice for mental errors. One no one one sort of a, a bad technique and physical error and then a mental error for the other. So was a bad day for the Patriots on penalties. You know, if you were following me on Twitter during this thing it was a it was a hot mess as far as uh, as far as just Ugly flags, like flags being thrown left, right, now, every which way, for ticky tack stuff. That wasn't ticky tack. That was that was earned, and and that extended the drive. So uh, you know, I love Dietrichs Wise as a player. Very good, very good guy. I love to see his role continue to increase. He picked up a sack later in this game, but that was a bad one there. Let me get a little drink of coffee here, folks. So moving forward, um, now you're you're onto the Patriots' uh, offensive series here. The down a score. Um, one of the really big really big plays here initially, and one of the better ones we saw from Josh Gordon on this day was this deep end cut he gets from drop back and um, Gordon was used differently, clearly differently in this game than the Tennessee game. The Tennessee game was the Like 12 target, just four completion things, press the ball to him in certain situations, several where Brady's dropping back and first looking to Josh and waiting out the route for Josh and still sending it there. Josh had a lot of his big plays in this game where he wasn't the first read. It was awesome to see Brady go through through his progressions, come back to Josh, sometimes in the middle of field. I don't believe there was actually a downfield outside the numbers, like go route, fade kind of thing target with Gordon, yet he still has a big, I think it was like an 80 yardish kind of game. So five catches, something like that, four or five catches around 80. So that's a super productive day. And I love seeing him found where they're not looking for him, if that makes any sense. I think this is, I think Josh Gordon is, is, is an exceptional complimentary player. Uh, and he he can have 80 yard games every week, and you know over the course of a season, that's easily a thousand yard season. So um, they don't have to be first read, get him 150 yards kind of things. You can still get to this really good, really productive day by being a later read and Brady's you know spinning the dial and finding him in his progressions. Deep end cut, drop back. Brady goes through a couple, comes to Josh, big play, good stuff there. Now. Next big play here on this uh, on this same drive is play action play. it's sort of got a double fake in it um, and it's, it, this is this is really where if you you know you're looking for big themes of this Patriots run over the Jets, it was the really effective offensive play calling through the run game initially and then through the, a lot of the play action stuff that came off of run sucks you know the defense really reacting hard because there's been either run production or just simply the look tells you run, and they pull it out and and complete a big pass. So there was so many times in this game where uh, pass defenders were being manipulated out of the areas they otherwise would be because of either run fakes or previous run success, and they're overplaying and cheating, cheating, cheating to the run. And giving up passes behind them, and that's 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 this Patriots offense when they're their absolute best night and day team when Michelle is out there night and day team when the full offensive line is out there night and day team when Gronk is out there is something they have to consider. And there's all these new holes, all these new holes that Brady's out there picking apart. So that was fun to see. Now in this play, it's called flash. Uh, it's a flash play. It's where basically where the tight end is away from the point of attack. other words, Gronk is off the ball on the other side, and they're going to try to you know snap of the ball bring him across the other side in the backfield to block as the lead blocker. That's a flash block. So they fake that action. They grunt, Comes across uh, to the other side as if he's going to be leading the block. They pull it out of, uh, I believe it was Michelle's gut. And then the second fake is to Julian. It's on a reverse action. So, you know, you watch the linebacker group and you watch the safeties. And anyone who's down anywhere near the box, everyone's jumping forward. Everyone's reacting to those two fakes. And then Chris Hogan's fit in behind. So, again, this is a relatively early sequence of the game. I think we're still in the first quarter here. And a lot of talk heading into the bye week was about getting Chris Hogan more involved and you know Brady had made those mentions it was a point of emphasis it's not like this guy isn't getting passes from from being open it's just uh we need to give him more attention in the offense and this was a real early effort to set up a play to get him open he was wide ass open run success prior nice confusing look for the defense to pull you in and then Chris is running down free on a deep end cut down the field big play there um now Next one I want to look at here is a play action play to slant, uh, a play action slant to Gordon, and this this will go back you know eight weeks or whatever it was when Gordon started uh, getting involved here in this offense, and we were kind of flying through all the routes he's kind of good at, you know, but some of the stuff that you may not get into because the offense is it's going to take a while for him to mature in this offense, learn the whole thing. But hey, here's some stuff that he can do early where you don't have to learn the whole thing. And that's the slant off play action or slant off off coverage or slants, slants where you're basically taking a step or two or three into a route and then running it in at something near 45 degrees, using your body, putting it between the big athletic dude. Gordon keeps his hands way out in front of his body. He's a great slant catcher, which may not sound like much to you if you don't. You don't play this game, but it's it's different. Some guys catch slants into the body, and they're not as effective. This guy has a big body, and he gets his hands out in front. So it's really tough to take the slants from him, and he does good at, at absorbing contact because you're going to get hit on a slant. So Gordon has one of these plays. It's uh, play action. That pulls the, the off-the-ball linebackers out of the lane. And then Gordon is uh, getting that slant route. And it's on the backside of Trey. So run a podcast here, so you'll have to kind of visualize with me. But what Trey is, is Trey is a three-by-one. And you often hear, you know, people on TV, you'll hear, you know, the analysts that are they're doing the game say Trips a lot. Trips trips, and Trey are kind of like each other. Trips is three wide receivers, and sometimes they will be Trips bunch. They're in a little pile off to one side. Trey is three by one also. Three guys to one side of center, one guy to the other side of center, out extended on his own. But what Trey is different than Trips is there's a tight end in location, uh, tight end, tight to the formation next to the offensive tackle. And that's what Trey looks more like a running set. Yes, you have three by one, so maybe you're thinking pass. But with him in location, you're kind of thinking, oh, that's Gronk maybe blocking. And then the off-the-ball off the wide receivers extended to Gronk side, those could be blockers as well. So it's meant to fool the defense. It's meant to look a little bit runnish, uh, overloaded runnish, because you've got an unbalanced side. But then they turn and throw back to the weak side, uh, to the to the isolated guy, and that's Josh Gordon. So you get the play action, and then you send it back to him running slant works so well. Uh, you know those are just those are just fun little football porn kind of plays, and that's really where Gordon is super effective. And and it was it was good stuff there. So uh, let's see, we'll move along here. Da, 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 da. Oh, and by the way, just I, I wanted to mention this because I know there's there's you know whatever. I think some people don't get the the importance of play action and how it really affects a play and it's not as if some you know some it's not an accident that these vacancies happen it's by design it happens play and play out and how people react to what you show but when you put him in iso gordon on the back side of a play and then you give a play action fake It was funny to watch the backside linebacker, and this is a position I play sometimes, and you happen to be extended away from the three-man side. You really can almost by body position just go stand out in the slant because you know that they're really trying to move you, quite frankly. They're trying to get you to take a step or two towards that run, even though it's on the other side. And then when you leave where you were standing, the slant hits right there. And in this one, that's exactly what happened. The backside linebacker takes the run fake, a couple of steps and now he's gone and duh, there's the there's the there's the action that pulls him out of the area and then that's where Gordon's catching the ball. It's perfect. It's it's how it's designed to work. It's it's what's supposed to happen. Something else on that play that screws with the linebackers as well is they show a pulling guard. So the guard starts to pull and guards usually don't pull on pass plays. I mean, occasionally they do. We don't want to get into that on a podcast, but a guard pulling looks like run and he's pulling towards that tray side that we talked about that heavy run looking side. So guards pulling formation tells you everyone's moving linebackers moving with it and whoop, back on the backside isolated all by himself is Josh Gordon, who's one of the better slant catchers out there. So um, that's just working. That's just working, uh, working just good sound fundamental design and execution. I love seeing that stuff um, and love highlighting it for you guys. So, Moving on here... one thing that we haven't seen a ton of this year, and, and and it bears mentioning also that Julian Edelman's having a really nice season. He's getting a partial year because of the suspension off the front, but his number totals here are near what he would have ever had. Uh, it would have been an all-time season for him. If he could have done this over the course of 16 instead of 12, he's going to be well over 1,000. He's going to have a, a relatively mid-to-high touchdown number, and he's never been a huge touchdown guy. He's a catch-gobbler, big yards guy. Um, but he's on pace, and this is an over-30-year-old receiver, and I think there were whispers of you know that age thing and all that, that he some might, somehow might not be the same dude. He's the same dude, and he, and he survived that little hit where he bounced off his elbow yesterday and looked for a moment like that might be a thing and wasn't. So it, it, it is important to note here that your top guy still is a top guy, and that's helpful as you go down the stretch. And the reason I wanted to highlight that is because we saw yesterday – in that game, a route to Julian that we don't see a lot of, to be honest. You'll go think back to Malcolm Mitchell running the hell out of the the, and it's the deep comeback, by the way. It's a deep, you know, you run it to seven to eighteen yards and coming back to fifteen. You're running up to fifteen. You're running straight out, but you know, or, or fifteen to twelve, or twelve to ten, or whatever. The deep down outside the numbers kind of thing, comeback. It's so hard to defend if you've got guys who are really sharp and quick out of their cuts and then snatch the ball away from the body. And obviously, the corresponding piece there needs to be a super accurate quarterback who can put it on a line. So you got Brady doing that, and we, you know, we went through here a couple months of the season where you really don't see a lot of completed deep comebacks. That's probably sort of the vacancy, the, the route that you haven't seen much of that you're used to see Brady complete the shit out of. You know, it's just it, it's always what he was so good at. The the receivers are down the field. They're running the route. The ball ball's already out before they've cut and then they come back and it's just it's impossible to defend if you're if you're a, a cornerback because the ball's out and before you've even you know read that cut from the guy you're covering and you're getting downhill and the ball's zipping in there already so they don't throw a lot of those recently. Uh, Hogan's been a guy who's pretty good at that route, but they haven't targeted him a lot this season. Josh Gordon, not as good at that particular route. At least they haven't they haven't found fruit on that much this season, and it's not his best thing. Uh, but Julian hit on a couple of these in the game, and I, the first thing I was thinking as I saw that, I was like, make a note of that. Tell the people on the pod about that because that, that adding that to the repertoire is huge because that's the thing that that will re- really help tighten up some of the corners so the double moves will work better because the corners hate that, they, they hate being on top of the route the entire way, uh, and then the guy's slipping it in at the very end at the very end while the ball's traveling before the routes even happen. So, deep comebacks hitting again with Jules, deep comebacks and deep outs, both of those fit in in this game to Julian. Um, again, it's a, it's another nice little post buy development, adding a thing that'll be really good to see down the stretch. Maybe necessarily wasn't there as much as you'd like it prior to the buy. So uh, going back through this here again, let's continue to sort of make our way through. Um, da, 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 da. so one of the things I really wanted to highlight here was some of the, some of the, uh, we've kind of gone through things that weren't there that are now some of the positive development stuff, but. We want to talk about some stuff that maybe ain't so good, and I think that's important because they got to filter themselves as they go down the stretch, and we saw the Gronk fade thing. We we know that over the course of the last however many years Gronk's been playing, it's been cool as hell to watch this six seven human being, this big lumberjack, catch back shoulder fades and go over smaller defensive backs and leap up in the air and... Or just use his length and his ability to sort of twist and turn and and catch that ball. Doesn't appear like he's... He doesn't look comfortable doing that anymore. And I shouldn't say anymore like I'm putting a freaking stamp on that from now until the end of time. We know he's had back issues uh, during the season. We know they've given him breaks for that. He doesn't look as in-the-air explosive as in the past but I'm not doing sort of cliff talk here and talking about his age talking about his health and saying oh it's gone and he's no longer the same player. I think it's just one route you don't need to attempt it very you don't need to tempt very many times. I don't think you need to go out to it. I mean there's 100 other routes Rob Gronkowski can run and have completed where he can take advantage of a smaller dude. I think that's one right now that kind of needs to go to bed for a bit, especially when you're attempting it in gotta have it situations that went to the Gronk fade twice yesterday did not work. And he didn't look like himself, really. But he looked like himself in, you know, 90% of the other things he does in the course of a day and ends up still having a super effective day as a blocker, has the big touchdown pass, uh, has a couple other catches in sort of moments where they needed him more back in the center of the field. But if that is not as sharp as it once was, it can be recovered next year, you know, with an offseason to work, getting your body back to where you want it. Uh, or maybe it's recovered a month or two from now if he feels better, but I, I think it's rather immaterial. I think you do, though, as an offense have to look at it and say, man, when we really need it, maybe that did work for us a year ago and in years past, but it's not working now. I want to see less. This is just a personal preference, but I think less of the Gronk fade especially when they're out there extending them against their better guys. Jamal Adams uh, had made made plays twice there and prevented that catch. If teams are extending, you know, you happen to get a 5'9 corner or something, and that's not what that was, but maybe you still try that. But I just feel like this offense has so many other options better than that right now. And they can beat a Gronk. You know, slants to Gronk, in-cuts to Gronk, out-cuts to Gronk. Gronk, you know, maybe back shoulder fade's in the seam, but the outside fade stuff, he just... He's not sharp on it right now, and uh there's so many other ways to get him the ball or other people the ball that I don't think God have it should be used up on that. And that is not a Gronk is done bullshit take. That's just hmm, you know, maybe he's still ninety-five percent of the guy, but that's that 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 small portion it, it doesn't seem worth sort of the risk for the reward you're getting more recently. Now moving on, uh you get to the the McCown pick. Uh McCown pick was Important in that, you know, he was a two pick guy the week before in the big blowout against the Bills. You know, there are going to be opportunities in reviewing this guy coming into the game that, you know, he has a habit of giving him up. Uh, even in the relatively positive week for them a year ago down there in New York. He was still giving it up some. So you're looking, you're looking, you know there's going to be opportunities you're going to make those plays. And the guy I think you need to highlight here is John Simon. You remember the, the free agent off the street, outside linebacker, was a good player with Houston, had signed with the Colts, and was released at camp. And he's kind of a name that, you know, people got a little bit excited about the week he was signed, but we haven't really talked about him much. But he makes a really nice rush, uh, beats Eric Tomlinson, the tight end, number 83, on that particular play, and, you know, the end of it that you see is Stefan Gilmore making the pick. A really nice cover up there. He's, he's all over his guy, and essentially he's down there catching a punt, it, it kind of feels like, um, because it floats. And why does it float? John Simon beats a tight end, gives him hands, slaps him down, dips, rips, And uh, he's putting the pressure on and kind of hits McCown's hip. I don't know if – it just McCown's mechanics weren't great. He was certainly affected by the pressure coming. Can't tell exactly if the throw actually affects the flight of the ball, but – it affected his ability to step into it and make that throw like he wanted to. And essentially, like I said, he floats a punt. And uh, Gilmore goes out and makes the play. It ends up being a huge play because they were driving a little bit there. That ends up being points on that drive. And we're, we're talking maybe about a little different thing this morning. But good job there by John Simon, number 55. Uh, keep an eye on that guy. He got the start. Um, and uh, the flip side of that is is Derek Rivers was inactive. Uh, Keonta Davis was inactive. So it appears that they're... Their preference right now is Simon, and he's doing some nice things to continue to earn that role. You know I'm a fan of Rivers. I'd like to see the young guy get more work. But uh, if if he's not, it looks like this is a pretty good option. John's John's playing pretty well, and that's to be expected. He's a salty vet and a very skilled guy in his own right. So open side runs. Um, This is something that was an aggravation for me. Um, You guys will remember uh, before halftime, the Patriots had an opportunity there with a couple minutes left to run the clock down and ensure, uh, that, that, uh, the Jets didn't have an opportunity to steal some points there before half. We tout this, we talk about this each and every year, uh, on this show, on my nesson stuff, it's it's situational awareness and how great the Patriots are in situational football. Nine times out of ten, if there's a situation they need to win, they win the situations, and that's how they sort of net out against you. Being better in two minutes, be better in four minutes, being better in this, that, or the other, right? The stuff then backed up, and winning the, the high-red stuff, and just whenever a situation that's critical presents itself and they can reduce it to a couple plays as opposed to winning over the course of 60, now it's just winning really well on these four or five. Uh, that's where they've been great. And they weren't in this instance. And I think it's important to mention why it was uh, because sometimes the broadcast doesn't give you enough extensive dialogue about this. And that's kind of what our show is for. Um, the Patriots ran twice on first ran on first and second down and get themselves to like third and real mild. I don't I don't have it here in front of me, but I think it was like third and three or third and third mile. It was not like third and undoable if you really wanted to to run it, to try to get the conversion. Now, again, they're trying to run clock. So there's a reason there was, were both runs on first and second down. They got a little bit out of them. It wasn't like stopped at the line of scrimmage kind of stuff, but you put yourself here in a situation where if you want to run the third time and it's, it's not so obvious that you're getting yourself tackled in the backfield, it's still able to be done, but they don't get the conversion here. And here's why off the top of this, I mentioned, open side run. So open side run means away from the tight end side, away from all the receivers piled up on the other side. And I think this was an error. Um, Now I can't, I I can't definitively say this because of not having the play call in front of me, but I don't know if Brady is sort of picking the run side based on an audible or his communications with the line as he sees it. But I don't know if they checked to the open side run or the open side run was what was originally called, but I think it should have come off uh, because they go open side, they go back to where there's just a tackle and guard left. Um, and they did not have the numbers advantage. And what that means is you've got at least as many uh um, guys to block as there are guys charging <laughs> or there to block them. And an open side run put them at a numbers disadvantage if you're counting the guy on the other side of center. So nose is shaded a little bit. You got a couple off ball tacklers and they ran right into that. So that it wasn't uh, so the reason I even bring this up and try to dive into the weeds here with you guys on this one is they didn't not win the situational thing before half because they chose to run rather than pass. They didn't win it because the run they chose versus the look they got. So uh, a strong side run there works cuz the numbers would have been better. Uh, you know, a draw, maybe something back up the middle, much better chance to work. Or, yes, you can go to a play-action play and try to sneak one into the flat and still not stop the clock. They had other options there. That was poor choice and then poor execution. But, again, it's tough to execute that when you don't have numbers. So they don't get it, and then the Jets get three before half. Bad situational football there. Uh, And the one little extra addendum here to to the bad situational football – even though uh, they do give up the three, there was an opportunity opportunity to prevent that. Um, Jonathan Jones, number thirty one, real good slot corner for them overall. Uh, real good positive addition, addition to this defense. He does good work, and he's usually an underappreciated guy. But did give up a couple catches on this day. Um, but on this particular uh, drive, he misses a tackle on the 42. I believe that was against Curse. And so the, t- the, the completions happen. OL doesn't matter. Good situational football. You tackle him down there at the 42-yard line on a cool day. Actually, it wasn't a cool day. It was in the, in the 50s. It was a nice enough day. But on the 42, we're talking a field goal that ain't getting hit. But you get five more yards, you get to the 37, and now you get a chance for a super long field goal. And we saw how that thing just curled over the post uh, for, I believe it was from 55. It's really, really easy to see how those extra five yards come into play. So Jonathan Jones gives up the cap, whatever. You know, completions are going to happen. But if you tackle immediately there, the three points don't go. So you can put a little bit of blame on the offense for not being able to convert a first down. Uh, you got three chances to get 10 yards. You choose the wrong run play for the front look you get. Get tackled. Don't get out of it. Defensively, give up a couple catches okay, but still with time as your friend and tackling as your friend, you could have stopped that drive, but don't. So not a good back-to-back offense and defense sequence there. Um, Now let's get back into the the second half here. Uh, This was really the nice development of of the second half, where okay, it's a little ragged, but it's competitive. You're in a tight situation. There's been a lot of flags, some some unended, some drives are upended because of of goofy shit. Uh, but it, you're not saying it was a bad half. You're not saying it was a good half. It, you're on the road. You're playing a division foe. It's close. There's certainly some missed opportunities, but what are they going to do with it? It's recalibrate, come out from second half, and this is really where the day was won for the Patriots. Big run to Sony Michelle uh, early uh, in the third quarter, and uh, the thing I liked about it the most is it's not as if their run plays were coming from thin boxes because they're spread out and fearing uh, Brady picking them apart with pass. They had run success in run defensive front, against run defensive fronts. That's huge. That's football. You're going do at some point have to win even when they've got enough guys to to stop the play. And and this particular one, they got an eight-man box. And, and this is a Michelle huge run here. And I know Trent Brown got called for a couple penalties in the game. I don't know if it was a couple, at least one big one that brought back a big Michelle run. And the team, had, the Patriots, end up with over 200 yard rushing. And this was including a couple big runs called back. But you go back to that third quarter uh, big Michelle run here on this drive after half. And uh, Trent Brown is absolutely killing his guy. his punch when well, he's almost four hundred pounds his punch knocks guys back if he gets you lined up and gets his hands on you in, in just you know times that thrust. Good God, you see a defensive tackle backpedaling like it's Jackie Bradley Jr. It's crazy. It was hilarious. On that particular play, it's not a linebacker getting knocked off the ball by this big offensive tackle. It's not a safety or defensive back. It's a defensive tackle in retreat. It's hilarious. I'll try to go back to my Twitter feed and and post that at some point here so you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. But big run to Michelle against stuff run front uh, defensively. Eight guys down in there. So you're still going to have to win in situations like that. And they did. And Trent Brown was the tip of the spear there, removing a guy, uh, a defensive lineman from the line, putting him three and four yards into the backfield, uh, into the in the linebacker area. That's huge because that that front could have been, been blocked really well, and you get a stone or even a one yard move at tackle on the defensive big defensive end or tackle whoever it was he was blocking, and that would be normal. and That'd be good, and you know maybe you get six or seven or eight, but you get twenty or whatever it was. Because of the crazy outlier type movement that Trent Brown gets on the big man across from him, so that was special, and that's really what this group can be. You know, getting big runs even when, even when you get a defensive run front. So red zone offense for the Patriots. I think this is one negative takeaway you can take. You can step back from the game. Still not where it needs to be. Uh, they're getting themselves down there. They are not finishing enough drives uh, with with sevens, uh, and this is this was sort of another example of that. They're getting into third and uncomfortables in the deep red. You're inside the twenty, uh, you're you're getting into the low area. I believe this might even been third and goal, but you're in third and really ten or more to go. You got to get yourself into third and fives. You got to get yourself into third and fours, even third and threes. Sit back at that range. Brady's in drop back. He's cycling through the group. And I think this is the one where he missed Gronk downfield late again. But it just felt sort of like a a heave ho. You know, I'm, I'm 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 I've spun the dial, not found much of any good, and tried that and it didn't work. So I think if they're spending their their future weeks here trying to figure out where they can improve themselves, uh, it's not so much moving the ball in the field. It's coming. It's making better choices and and executing better in the red zone offense. That's still uh, got a ways to go. So uh, back on defense now here. This was one of the plays that I had targeted as I was watching this thing live, and I wanted to go back and check it out. I was like, what the hell happened here? Uh, They decided to blitz defensively, the Patriots, Gilmore. So Gilmore's coming off the corners. They run a corner blitz. Those are the kind of things that all coordinators will have in sort of the weekly plan. You may use it once, twice, maybe a couple times, save it for a special, special situation. They blitz Gilmore. He runs off the edge and the, the completion by McCown goes right back to the receiver that Gilmore was aligned over. So usually when you blitz a corner, he has to be quickly replaced by a safety. You know, the corner comes, the safety's got to fly down there real quick because there's that sort of spatial gap between where safeties are and corners are and if a corner if a quarterback can turn and that's why they call them hot routes you're basically turning right and he's hot he's got to get it to him quick he's uncovered because of the blitz and the the accompanying part from the defense may not have a chance to get there quickly enough they blew that one so you know Gilmore blitz is the receiver stays uncovered and you guys understand I'm watching a tv copy right now as I'm doing this podcast the coach's copy's not out yet so I can't see the back end and why the rotation was so slow but basically just uncovered uh maybe it's that safety that had him in coverage but he's not tackling him till 15 yards down the field so something was slow or screwed up there and and mccown did a great job of reading where the vacancy was they took a a chance. They blitzed a corner and ended up being one of, again, the better better completions of the day for that Jets offense. So something was definitely screwed up there. I got to get that tuned up. Um now on the same drive, third and ten. Uh, and again, this is sort of another tip of the cap that there were a lot of third and third and longers in this game, which tells you the Patriots defensively were doing a pretty solid job overall in first and second down defense. You get into third and ten. Get pressure on McCown. Looks like we're sort of in sack or throwaway situation. And Trey Flowers, again, you know, unabashed, big Trey Flowers fan. I think he's one of the most important players on this defense, especially in situations where we're only gonna three, they're only going to rush three, they're only going to rush four. And you got to have somebody win one-on-one or – get or absorb that second tackler so someone or second blocker so someone else can be getting the one-on-one look that they want that's Trey Trey's that guy Trey pops free throw free here though and screws it up he jumps and I saw that And I'm, you know I'm just thinking back as an old player being in those meeting rooms uh, you know he's getting killed for that Bill's one of Belichick's biggest thing is don't jump don't jump don't jump and Trust me, I've jumped. I got faked in the air by T- Vinny Testaverde years ago, and I can still hear Belichick say, no job, do job." Like it's just it, that is like one of the cornerstone coaching things for rushers. As you come through, same hand, same arm. So you put up your left with, with a right-handed quarterback to mirror his throwing arm and run through it as you tackle him, as opposed to pausing for a second and leaving your feet. You leave your feet. You generally get the pump, and NFL quarterbacks, even the thirty-nine-year-old ones, are able to escape for a bit and make the play. So so Trey Flowers jumps on that one. McCown scrambles for the first. That ends in points. That puts them into the three-point territory. It was essentially a three-point jump. So as good as Trey was overall and all the other stuff, that mistake there did lead to points. It's the kind of thing that's definitely going to get some coaching up during the week. So there's uh now you head back the other direction. Big Hogan completion. Patriots are at it again with this huge pull that they're getting from play action. At this point, there's been run success. They're starting to get run fronts. They put the ball in the gut of Michelle or White, and people are reacting, and that's important. Again, the linebacker and seam player both react. Both are pulled. Then the play action or the play action uh, f- route combination hits behind them, uh, and that's, that's, that's football. That's glorious, glorious football. Play action, affecting mid, mid or back end players. They move, route goes there, Brady fits it in. Big Hogan completion. Again, good to see him a couple of nice big balls downfield. And both were play action related plays. So uh, people react to the run, passing game, it continues to expand. Um, Gronk gets a nice little pancake buck here on the play that comes after. And he's aligned at the tight end. You've just gotten the big completion. Now they make sort of a nickel front uh, uh a correction essentially they're saying okay shit we just got gassed on this downfield play action we got to make an accompanying move now they've only got six in the box now you got more defensive backs on the field now you got smaller dudes you've basically removed a linebacker and uh, this is a big James White run so James actually had a day here where he had a couple big big runs where his more productivity day on the day didn't come from the pass-catching stuff. Didn't have as much of that as all. And if you follow in fantasy, I'm sure you noticed as much because he didn't have the high catch number that he usually has, but he had two of the bigger runs on the day for either either of the backs through just traditional runs. So, again, those are key breakers. Those are meant to make the defense start to think tendency, start to see him back there, start to think uh, you know, coverage or angle routes or Zampezi routes or some sort of goofy – Ye Yang kind of thing with White screwing with linebackers, or screwing with coverage, and then all of a sudden he gets their traditional run, and it's in a moment where they flip to a to a, a, a sub look opposite them. That's what that's for. It's good to see. You get James involved. It's like a 5-7 to seven carry a week thing. Just to keep him honest, that stuff's important. And, again, it was good to see Gronk healthy, putting a guy on his back. His pancake block at the point of attack ends up being right where uh, White runs to. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, moving along. Now, this is a cool little play uh, from, again, just sort of the p- football porn angle of this is they've actually gone big now. They give up they give up the pass, they go to the nickel. They give up the run against the nickel, they go back to the bigger guys. So it's it's a sort of yo-yo thing where a defense is trying to get the right people on the field, trying to, to sort of react to what the Patriots are doing. And, again, this is when I think the Patriots are bet at their best offensively. Keep you guessing. Keep you changing. And then react accordingly. So this ends up being a, a Ju- Julian Edelman's touchdown. Now it's just a sit route. This isn't like a big downfield thing. They've they've put the extra linebacker back in the game. As I mentioned, this is happening pretty much after right after the James White big run. So now they've switched into regular personnel. The regulars regular excuse me is four down guys. It may be in three-four, maybe in four-three, whatever. But you've got four biggers and you got three uh, linebackers off the ball. Three big guys are now in the game who are off the ball linebackers. And James Devlin is on the field. So that's the personnel group's got. I believe it was two backs and one tight. So the fullbacks in the game, the fullbacks in the game, that helps bring in that extra linebacker. Well, Devlin flexes out of the out of the out of the backfield. So they move him out like he's an extended tight end or something. That makes one of the linebackers motion out. Oh, boy, now you're a little thinner um, in, in the low zone area. And where does Julian's route go? In the low zone area. So usually if you've got three off-the-ball linebackers because they're big with a fullback in there, it's pretty hard to throw into the low zones because you've got three big bodies just roaming around the middle who don't want to chase anyone up the field. They just chill there and and, and prevent the lower throws. But you motion a fullback out, takes one of them. Now you got two guys who aren't as, as adept in space, and Julian's running sit routes around that. Tom fits it in, catch and run with space, and the linebacker looks slow as shit chasing him down. Effort wasn't great there either. I did notice that part. But uh, touchdown. So Julian's on the board with a touchdown. We don't see a lot of them uh, from him, but it's good to see him get involved that way. He's been having huge weeks of yardage. And now he's scoring as well. So that again was sort of the the yo-yo, as I mentioned, of in and out, in and out of different looks, and then using whatever they do to hit him back with the accompany move. That was football porn, fun to see. Now uh, go back here defensively. Josh McCown once heard in uh, that was the the tight end that had a pretty young tight end had a pretty solid day on this day uh, and this play i wanted to highlight because i did want to make the show about not just talking about the obvious stuff the stuff that was brought up and discussed on the on the on the broadcast itself that's for them they get one quick shot that's how it works you know you know i do my 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 color analyst stuff for espn we've got the main game this weekend uh, fcf playoffs so Maine is taking on jacksonville state up there In uh, Northern Maine, I'm excited to head and and check that out. But I do have sort of a soft spot for for analysts and and the color guy and and the play by play and what they're able to get to in a play You really only get shot one, one shot one replay, you get one chance to make one point that doesn't mean you'll get to every point. Um, when I'm at a, obviously an advantage here, sitting here, rewinding it 17 times and picking out three or four different things on each play, you don't get that chance live. So wanted to do this where we could show you some stuff or talk about some stuff, at least, uh, that happened that helped make the play that may not have been highlighted, uh, and on uh, Dietrich Wise's sack. And he the the other sack on the day. Um, really nice job here by by Trey Flowers and this this play of jamming the tight end. Uh, McCown wanted Herndon; that's where he was looking. Uh, it was his read; it wasn't his first read. He had spun the dial, looked back to the tight end. The tight end was going to be his outlet; that's where he wanted to go with it. And what does Trey Flowers do? He was he would have been the the, the additional rusher, but he bangs at the tight end, uh, hands on him really slowed his release made it difficult for him to get out and as McCown's eyes come back over there Trey doesn't do the hit 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 and rush thing he's like oh he's looking here I'm staying with it so he continues to jam that rush which pulls McCown's eyes away from where he really wanted to go had that jamming not happened the ball's coming out and Dietrich Wise is not getting a sack had Trey given him sort of the token bump 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 and then rush uh, the ball's going to that tight end, and it's probably a short completion, may not be a conversion, but the play itself goes differently. So Trey Flowers giving himself up on that one, jams the tight end. Wise gets a sack. Now you know, look at the stat sheet later, and you say, "Oh, Trey Flowers had this many tackles and this many sacks, and may not have been as much as I thought. Might not have been a great game." That's an example of what's the stat for that? Trey Flowers made that play by by, by you know taking it for the team, and I'm gonna. St- So I'm just going to hang out here in coverage and prevent him from being able to go to his outlet while my buddies make the sack. That's team football. That stuff makes me excited. That's the stuff that I love, you know, and it's the stuff I want to highlight for you guys because you may not be made aware of it if you're just watching the TV portion. Now, this is... uh, we're we're flipping to the other side of the, of the field now. Brady, Brady and the Patriots are back on offense. This is a deep end cut. Excuse me, a deep out cut to Gordon. Uh, this is third and ten, so clearly not getting enough done on first and second down. Put yourself in the situation, uh, and it's a late progression read, and, and I love that. Uh, Brady gets a nice pocket. You know the the Gordon completions in this game, by and large, weren't first reads and that's and that 's good, you know he can be the guy that 's winning deep and later, and it wasn 't deep and later that was the plan it 's a reaction to get to that. Brady gets a long pocket here is able to slide and step up, and he 's going back to a deep up uh, outcut uh, to his right side and hits Gordon diving across the line for com- for conversion on third and ten a, a, a down and distance you 're not necessarily expecting to get. So that was good to see. It's Brady going all the way through all of his reads, coming back to the big deep out cut late and able to get it. Throws a ball in a dart, keeps it low. Gordon dives, makes the catch. That's good football. Um, so. Do, 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 Oh, here's one other, you know, there was another one of these, and I've already talked about this several times, but I just want to mention this as well because it happens again late. Edelman gets a low completion. uh, Ends up being a nice catch and run for play. him again here late in the game, and it was a direct result of the play fake. And it's not – play fakes are not for fun. It's not just something on Madden that, you know, is sort of a – The thing that happens that no one really reacts to, people react to those fakes if they believe something's about to come with them. The formation tells you some information. The personnel tells you some information. And then you see him faking in the run action in front of you. Dudes take it if it's real and you're able to run the ball. Up to this point, they'd run the shit out of the football. And this... Play fake relocated the linebacker that would have been right in the way of Julian's catch. Now remember, Julian's catcher doesn't actually score, but it takes him down deep into the red, uh, deep deep in the red zone, and then Michelle plunges in on the short run later. But, but you can look at this this crossing route by Julian. You can look at where he catches it, and you can see the linebacker that had been standing there that would have been right in the passing lane that would have prevented Brady from even throwing it. Brady does not attempt this pass. No way, no how. However, if he does, he throws a pick. If you don't get the run action, f- throwing the guys into the line, the linebackers charging forward into the line and having that oh, shit, feeling that they're sucked in the line, they got to turn and retreat. And they sending the ball right back over their heads to where they had been before. That is play action. That is football porn. That is a direct result of the ability to run the football earlier in the day. And now everyone's guessing and diving in the line at times they don't. And all of a sudden you have a pass completion. So you look down at the box score and you're twenty of blah 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 for this many yards and this many touchdowns and blah blah blah, and you think that the passing game is what got there. The passing game was a result of the work in the running game prior to it. The running running game aided the pass game considerably from time to time at a far lower rate. You'll get some run production from something the pass game did, but it doesn't work nearly as much in the other way. That is football. Hopefully uh, you guys are getting a greater appreciation for how it really works by listening to the show. And I'll send out some tweets here later in the week as I get an opportunity to sort of screen cap the or not screen cap but record those and, and sort of annotate over them and show you this stuff. But it's still football, folks. It ain't a friggin' passing league. Don't believe that nonsense. So so many examples in this game of of what it's really all about. So scramble issues with McCown. I kind of want to close the show out here. Scramble issues with McCown were still a thing. Uh, and, and on this final drive, that could have uh, not tied the game, but ruined the under. And we know how important that was. Uh, the under was, uh, the, it was 46 and a half was the points on the day. And I had chosen the under uh extended my little streak here we're nine and two on the nesson pregame chat so we've been crushing it folks i hope you're tu- you know as much as you're tuning tuning into this show that you're tuning into that one as well and we've been going out of our way to try to pick uh, pick ways to help make a little cash here maybe maybe uh you know wherever it is and whatever it is you're placing on uh you know continue to place with us you're nine and two you know i'd love to know what these christmas presents are you're buying for the kids or the family or your, your wife or girlfriend or 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 husband or, or boyfriend or whatever it may be uh if you're following along with us you've done well on that but the the over here was in danger or the under was in danger on this final drive so pins and needles uh but yeah, the, the the scramble issues on the count were a thing and again I don't think I don't think if you're if you're given sort of a an objective look back at the Patriots defense and you're talking about late season stuff I still think there are offenses that are going to be licking their lips about critical situations and and taking off and running, it's it continues to be an issue. McCown had a few of these, too many of these on the day, where he got away, where the pocket control wasn't quite good enough. Now it hasn't been that way all season. There have been several games where the Patriots' pocket control was good, but this wasn't one of them. And uh, you know, at least in a few situations, more so than their appetite would would call for. That's not exactly what the D coordinator wants. You know, you have one or two okay, but critical situations, third and longers, you don't want to be that why they get them but McCown got a long one there and then ultimately you're down to a red zone sequence at the end of the game to get those seven points and uh Stephon Gilmore makes a really nice PBU times it perfectly I believe it was Robbie Anderson that he's breaking it up on and that was a big performance overall uh for for Gilmore with Anderson you know you're 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 this dovetails off of the of the Titans game where Corey Davis has a big day and Corey Davis is a little bit similar build, at least a taller sized guy. Anderson Anderson is a guy who can make big downfield plays. We've seen him do that, but an inconsistent player, a little bit like Davis has been early in his career as well, but Davis didn't go off, and he had several opportunities on downfield balls where he could have. So Gilmore's much improved play this week was a big factor in in how this thing inevitably played out. Nice PBU by him down there on the and the end zone. And I guess if you bet the spread here as well, you're happy also because <laughs> the twelve and a half or eleven and a half or thirteen or whatever or whatever you were getting uh, doesn't hit because this this last sequence didn't end up in points. So uh, and then now the Patriots have the football, the opportunity to run this thing out and big white big uh, James White run up the middle. Uh, and it was against an eight man box again. Another great sign there. Run defensive front. Still going to go ahead and run it. Got enough to pick them up, but everyone has to win their one-on-one to make those things go. And James White gets a big one. So great stuff out of him uh, on this day in a different, little bit different function than we usually see. It's usually a lot more pass catching than we got from him. And kudos to Sony Michelle there for for having an awesome day, a big day, and and he's not just running through wide lanes. There's a lot of great patience. Uh, if you look at it, kind of like I don't know, like a, a James Bond uh, Mission Impossible kind of thing, where you see the fan spinning and you got to time that when you're going to go between the blades, you're going to get chopped in half, or you know, one of those situations, maybe like an ask esc- or like the uh, the revolving door at the bank or something, or at the uh, at a busy airport, you have to enter at the right time. If you time that incorrectly, you're hitting the door and you're not going through. So it ain't just oh any bat could run through it. No, the timing has to be perfect. You have to pause at the right time you have to be explosive enough to make it inside of it and then even more explosive to make out the make it out the back side of it and make something of it but both these backs james white and sony michelle are really good at delaying when you need delay seeing it when it needs to be seen and shooting through it with the right amount of speed and explosiveness those are two good backs uh, making hay of some good Good blocking in front of them, uh, and and as a quick sort of uh, final point here uh, that I can kind of give a little player perspective on Sony Michelle avoiding a back injury there, a major one is is monstrous. And as we're doing this as a Monday show, we don't actually know he's completely clear. Hopefully that thing isn't bothering him throughout the week. It's going to get tight and sore. Um, man, that, it's, those are scary, scary situations. I've been in the pile uh, as. As a guy who you know, as a defensive player, when you're pushing someone over the pile or you're feeling the push around you, uh, with a guy they're pushing forward, they're trying to get further yards, and you're trying to push them back. And what can unfortunately unfa- happen is sometimes your legs get caught, and you're pushing a guy who's being bent a half away from his body, well, the way his body will naturally go. Happens to defensive players all the time. You got a leg caught underneath you, and you feel the pile, the pile falling, and maybe you're ripping up an MCL or maybe you know something in ankles getting. Twisted sideways, and you can't do anything about it. You can't push away because this giant mass of, of multi bodies is pushing over you. And those are some helpless situations. Um, I actually had a scary one in uh, in high in uh, not even high school, in like middle school football, where I had some flashbacks. I'm sitting there watching this with Sony, and I'm oh, I mean we. I'm sitting there in the in the nesting studio, and I, we like yelled out like ah, you know, oh, whoa! they just because uh, you can just sense his inability to push back about that thing, and he kind of just got to go and let it happen. Being folded over like a like a I don't know like a card you know like a like a holiday card he's just he's just being folded in half and you you can't fight it it's coming you're being creased in the wrong direction there's nothing you can do he got up so gingerly after that thing and uh, I just I, I could feel the same pain he was feeling so now what I felt I was a running back on an eighth grade football team big tall skinny kid at the time nothing like now uh Uh, let's see. So, you know, I'm flying through the line. I fall, you know, down to the ground. I've got the ball in my hand. And I end up in a sort of upright position. My legs are out in front of me. I'm sitting upright, balls in my hand. I've been tackled. Now, the pile next to me, behind me, whatever, is still kind of pushing against one another. Defense lineman, offensive line, or whatever. And the pile falls on me. So, the pile makes, hits me from behind. As I'm sitting in an upright position with my legs straight out in front of me, almost like I'm doing a sit and reach or something, but the they the pile falls onto me and presses my head down in between my legs. My I wasn't able to roll out of it; it just happened too quickly, and I'm feeling my ears go down past my knees. And I am not that kind of flexibility person. That's I'm I'm not I'm at that age, and I'm not even a toe toucher. But it folded me, folded me in half like a suitcase. It was oh and I, so I'm stuck on the bottom of this with people laying on top of me and something snapped in my lower back anyway th- that's my little nightmare story I never I ended up being injured for a while there I played another position I wasn't back to finish the season now and then I'm growing 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 and I'm never going to be running back then but as I saw Sony uh, you know having get him bent that goofy way I was having that same oh like I remember the hearing the pop I remember feeling I can't fight this it's just I can't there's too much mass and I'm I'm not able to fight it. You know, it's just there's too much happening here and you just kind of have to roll with it. It's like being, it's like, you know, it's like surfing. You're out there and you, you crash in, in the wave. There's just so much force. It's not like you can push against the wave. You just kind of have to roll with it and hope for the best. But um, hopefully he he comes out the other side of that tough kid, you know, got the little lube on his back. I believe uh there was some reporting there in the game that they had done something with his back I saw that being tweeted. Or maybe it was Evan uh, who was doing the sideline stuff for CBS. But something to the effect that you, and you get these. That there's these big giant adhesive pads that lock in some sort of heat rub thing that will help loosen that up, keep it from – from tightening on you and then you know you take a pill too it's it's important to do that little pain pill in the in the game if that thing's firing up on you but we'll we'll keep an eye on him throughout the course of the week that's important because he's going to need to bounce back from that and oftentimes these things just tighten up later uh hopefully the injury is not is not a big deal and he he comes back from it because we saw how big of an effect him firing on all cylinders helps this this offense roll but that is going to be all for this week viking 's game coming up. This was the real thing patriots podcast i 'm Matt Chatham. Thank you as always for tuning in. Uh, love your listenership. Uh, hope that you enjoy this thing. Continue to share it. Give it the old five stars or to the top, whatever that happens to be on uh, on itunes if you, if you listen to it that way, I appreciate all the good reviews that are out there already on the show, but somehow some way that 's sort of how the the analytics work on that and it gets passed around and It's good to have a high-red show, apparently. But uh, I love that you guys continue to check this out and continue to be asking for my input on this thing uh, on on social media, asking when it's going to be out there, and I I love pumping it out. So I'm very excited that, uh, that we got an opportunity to take a big, deep breath here and play someone on the other side. You get to play an NFC opponent, get to start to study and look at some group that you don't know as well, and it's an important game. Could be two playoff teams squaring off, so that'll be fun. Enjoy it, and thanks again from the Real Thing Patriots podcast. We will talk at you again next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football Insight by football players. Hi Lucky. Night, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.